0: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in Central Pennsylvania, and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I am Jim Galante, along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, you're on for a full hour today. Are you ready for that, my friend?
2: I am, I am, I am here when needed to call on for the full show. All right, some got to give me some grace here. Give me some grace as I get my sea legs in the long distance run, but <laughs> I'm ready.
1: I, I'm sure you are, Andy. I'm sure you are. Quick note before we get started: don't forget, first home game this weekend. If you're looking for the right beer for your tailgate, what better than Whiteout beer, Andy? From our good friends over at New Trail, it is now Stockton State College. Head on over to WR Hickey and get your whiteout beer for the game this weekend. I know that's the beer that will be at my tailgate. I've had some friends who've been trying it, Andy, giving it rave reviews. So I'm ready to tailgate, and I'm ready to tailgate with my whiteout beer. All right, let's get started. Quarter number one, Andy will take care of the news. Quarter number two, we'll do some final thoughts on the Purdue game. Quarter number three, we'll do Ask Andy. And quarter number four, we'll prepare you for the Ohio game. We know that's a little bit different preparation for this game, but we'll we'll still get you there. And we'll still get from Andy a bold prediction. So starting with the news, Andy, this actually came out last week, and we, we didn't talk about it on the show yet, just busy, you know, following up Purdue. But finally, it looks like we're going to have a new expanded playoff in a couple of years. The only question is, could they get their act together quick enough to start it any sooner? Your thoughts, 12-team playoff, you like it?
2: I, I think I do I wanna I wanna see I, I like the 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 framework of the format they're I know they're pushing in, in time for the 2026 season that this goes into play they they did leave the door open to do it earlier um, they said 2026 was the latest so the field will be the sixth highest ranked conference champions and then six at large teams which means, you still have a college football playoff committee to determine the six at large teams and how um, they're going to determine that the key for me. And we, we come back to this, you know, probably too often, but it's simply just the money is the determining factor, right? How is this revenue going to be shared? And how is it going to be split going forward with the expanded field? You know, what how much are the power 5 conferences going to get how much are the group of 5 going to get what what's notre dame's you know piece of the pie you know the money questions will be the one that that i think that i feel will determine whether or not we have to wait till 2026 or whether or not we get to go early because you've got networks you've got more games and you've got more opportunity for media rights and revenue sharing and how that all looks and splits will determine whether they try this in 2025 or actually do wait until 2026. So that's my big takeaway. I like the format. I like six at large teams, but I also think like my one thing that struck me was after watching Ohio state and Oregon, which could be a legitimate potential, College football playoff game in a twelve-team scenario—is that what they're going to look like? I'm sorry, Georgia and Oregon. I'm sorry, George, not a house. Georgia and Oregon. I'm like, man, is that what they're going to look like between you know that gap between you know the top and the and the lower tier of the playoffs? But that that's just a side note. What because that was definitely a, a big gap between them. So it's a good thing though. I like the expanded playoffs.
1: I think a couple quick notes here on this, Andy, just to add, to go earlier than 26, that's when the current contract ends and they could put it out essentially to bid. ESPN owns the rights until then. And would they give up some of the rights for it to go to multiple networks or not? So you got to get some cooperation from ESPN. Another part of this that I think has to be... um, Uh, talked about is that right now it looks like there will be home games in the first round so we could literally have a playoff game at Beaver Stadium which I think is exciting and the final aspect to this whole thing Andy which makes me a fan of it is it's just like when you know uh, the Big Ten expands and brings in USC and UCLA What does that mean for the fans? It means we're going to have USC playing against Ohio State or Penn State or Michigan or Wisconsin. Same thing here for the playoffs. There's going to be more good college football games against different teams. So, yes, even though Georgia-Oregon didn't turn out very well, how about Ohio state Notre Dame? That was certainly a very good game. So just the possibility of having those kind of games, additional games, I, I think it's really worth it for the fan. Let's get to a couple more things uh, this week, Andy. The, uh, after week one, new rankings came out. Penn State still not ranked. Uh, for, does it matter? And should they have been ranked?
2: No, they should not be ranked. Uh, I think it does matter a little bit. I really think it does. When you are promoing your games and, you know, even when we do it, it's like it's number, you know, number 11, number six, number 12. You know, once the season starts, I think being ranked matters. I think they're close, right? And and the AP poll tells you they're close. They're one of those top two or three teams that got votes that left out. But to me, it still makes perfect sense. I mean, I did – rankings for you know nearly 20 years of different kinds and i don't think they deserve to be ranked they they won a toss-up game that was clearly a toss-up game you know last thursday night and granted it was on the road and at a better purdue team than most people want to say but they won so that's still the bottom line but overall when you look at them and you look at like do they deserve to be ranked yet after four quarters in one game well they're 12 and 11 overall, 9 and 10 in the Big 10 in the last two seasons plus a game. And oh by the way, last year they were top 5 in the country and then fell off a cliff. So that's going to leave you a little like, eh, "I don't know if I want to vote for them or not." So I wouldn't vote for them right now as a top 25 team, but they are close. And the Auburn game on the road, that game will tell whether or not they're going to be ranked and a and a sort of player in the polls moving forward. It definitely will. I'm not sure
1: it really matters at this point. Yes, there's always that argument. If you start higher than another team, by the time you get to playoff time, it makes a difference if you started at a higher point. You know, For example, Notre Dame lost their game to Ohio State. Again, they played pretty well. But because they started out ranked fifth, they're still the top 10 ranked team, even though they lost because they started so high. So we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, next up, Andy, one of the uh, players who, de- uh, I'm saying decommitted, he's actually transferred portal because he did get here, Ken Talley, part of this class of 22, was the last player to arrive, was the first player out the door. He found a home at Michigan State. A couple of interesting things. First of all, it, the circumstances for him transferring, or the timing at the very least, was unusual. Had many of us scratching our heads and thinking there might be more behind this. I won't get into anything else with it. But I found it fascinating, his Twitter, um, where he announced he was, he was now committing to Michigan State, and... On his Twitter, he says, okay, now let's get paid. So I'm assuming that means NIL was a factor.
2: NIL was definitely a factor if he said, let's get paid. You're right. The timing was weird. It was like he got there late and then he was gone so fast. It also tells you we don't know the details. Something happened. I don't know what it is. I don't. Something happened. And it was, it sounds like it was kind of like, we need you gone and you need to be gone and you want to be gone. That was it. And, and he was gone. The NIL thing is, you know, I was reading some stuff uh, over the weekend and I think you're going to see talking about Penn state and NIL real quick. I think with this new athletic director and sort of some of the, it's kind of behind the scenes and a little bit quietly and solid maneuvering that they're going to, I will say their NIL and how it looks and how they are treating it at Penn State will look a lot different 12 months from now than it has looked in the past six months. I'm just going to say that, that I think they are moving and paying attention to this, especially through their athletic director in great detail. And you can expect it, especially on the football front, because it's football and that's what matters. I think it's going to look very different in a year.
1: It it probably will. It is developing, and uh, without revealing who or what right now, I'm actually planning on having someone on the air next week who could share with us some more information on NIL. So fingers crossed we could work everything out uh, with that, Andy. Finally, uh, some news from uh, James Franklin's press conferences. He's still playing a little coy about – Drew Aller as the backup quarterback with, hey, it's a competition every week. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I suspect he already knows who his backup quarterback will be for this week's game, but I guess that's just part of it. He also talked about um, Theo Johnson, who we knew did not play. He made the trip, was in street clothes said things like, well, it's not up to me. It's up to someone else, which sounds like he's injured. It's up to a doctor to give him clearance to play. If there's yeah. an injury though, I wonder if it's like, if there's any question, do you push him to play at a wit against Ohio or wait till Auburn?
2: No, you don't play. You don't push him this week because you're playing Ohio. Time is your friend, not your enemy. Um, there's no reason to push him to return to the field. Brent Strange is a lot. Let's talk about tight end real quick, just real quick, Jimmy. Brent Strange is, he has improved dramatically as a blocker. That was obvious in the Purdue game. Forget the long catch and everything. They run a lot of 12 and 13 personnel in this offense. So on the fly, they had to adjust with that, which means one running back, two tight ends, or one running back, three tight ends. So they went to an extra lineman. They made the adjustment on the fly for their 13 personnel. You're not going to need it for this game. you got Tyler Warren and Brenton Strange. Let him be healthy.
1: I I suspect that will be the case if there's any doubt at all. So we'll have to look to see if we uh, see Theo Johnson on the field this week for the home opener. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number one in the news. Stick around. Quarter number two, we're going to get Andy's final thoughts on Purdue. Stick around for that. TrustStateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you
3: love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State, by author Greg Woodman, looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers. Featuring rare photos, original essays, and exclusive interviews with Coach Paterno, this beautiful 256-page full-color hardback edition explores the why behind we are. It's chicken soup for the Nittany Lions' soul and makes the perfect gift for any Penn Stater in your life, including you. Order today at whypennstate.com.
0: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and
1: other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone. Kickoff show. It is quarter number two. I'm Jim Galanti along with Andy Shea. We're taking one last look back at the Purdue game, but we can't forget, Andy, this week is the first home game. If you want a fun way to spend the weekend in Happy Valley, check out our friends at gopsurv.com. This is where you drive your car out there. And at the RV lot, there'll be an RV all cleaned up, all ready just for you. Great way to spend the weekend. Essentially, you're tailgating all weekend. They take you to the game in their own bus, take you back, and you continue your tailgating. No hassle with parking or anything else. It's a great way to do the weekend. And and this year, we're teaming up with Go PSURV, providing the KSN special for select games You can get $500 off your RV for the weekend. All you have to do is tell them you want the KSN RV special. And check out Mark at 800-519-8467. And Mark could give you all the details. That's gopsurv.com. All right, Andy. A week ago, you and I talked about the Purdue game. It was the morning after. Neither right. one of us got much sleep that night. We were up talking about it. Now you've had a week to clear ahead a little bit. Just wanted to check with you. See if you have your final thoughts, anything we didn't get to last week about that performance against Purdue.
2: Not really in terms of the performance. The way I looked at it was what I grabbed from the Purdue game, that were, that sort of going with the sort of poker hand theme here. What, what were some of the tells? What were some of the things that grabbed me that you can look for going forward like this week against Ohio and when they get ready to play Auburn? These are things that stood out to me that I think are relevant, big picture going forward. First one was seven of the 13 freshmen they took on the trip to West Lafayette played. This was a very good recruiting class. We thought it was a really, you know, it was a a, a top 10, whatever, recruiting class. It was a really good recruiting class. Seven of the 13 they took on the trip played. They're going to play the young guys. That's it. They played them on the road at Purdue. They didn't hold back. They played over half of them in that game. They're going to see the field. That was one of them. By the third series, Penn State had played seven defensive linemen. Seven. That's that's inside and outside. So that tells me that that they are – it's not so much – it didn't feel like so much a matter of they're looking for guys to be the top guys. They just feel that they can play seven guys and be consistent and active. This is, that's as early in a game. It's not like you went through three or four series on defense and then made a switch. They didn't do that. This was almost immediately that they were rotating guys in. I liked it. I thought it worked. I think they played pretty well. So I think that is something that you're going to look for. We'll talk about the targeting call, but, You know, I think the fact that Carter was in the game and I think they still have what I what this tells me is they have a little bit of a linebacker problem. Right. And I don't think it it has much to do with the outside guys. I thought Jonathan Sutherland. I thought he was solid. I really do. You could see Curtis Jacobs in his new position very quickly, I might add, over the course of even one game become comfortable in his own skin there. He just became more and more of a of an impact player as the game rolled along because he was just kind of figuring it out as, you know, sort of a full-time role. He still had six tackles. He's only going to get better because he's a talent. They have a little bit of a problem in the middle. I really think they do. I think Tyler and Kobe King, neither one of them grabbed me. So I think they have some work to do at linebacker. The secondary is ridiculously good and deep. Um, that one is left guard. That's going to be something that's going to be, uh, to keep an eye on Hunter Nor's at, and, um, um, landed tank. Well, rotated, they played four running backs. They're going to play four running backs again this week. Um, the one takeaway I had was please run outside the tackle once or twice, please, please. Oh my gosh, please. And the other takeaway, last takeaway I had was the read option appears to be off the table, the running quarterback, the, you know, Take it in the running back, punt it in, take a read. I'm not sure they're going to do it all that much with Sean Clifford just because of the injury bug.
1: Andy, I asked you for a couple of thoughts. You gave me 38. You I'm went sorry. through my entire agenda here. I'm anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. let, let, let's dig into a couple of these items. Sure. Um, yeah, I had also this, a similar question on the play calling. And I believe Joel Clack, during the game, even talked about it. You have an explosive uh, running back like a Nick Singleton, and he gets the ball at a standstill. And this has been a topic with Penn State running backs, even with Saquon Barkley. You know, you wonder how would they do at least with a running start. It seemed like they started this game with a uh, "We are going to run the ball no matter what. We're going to force feed it." I'll be, cu- but then notice with the game on the line, you know, like. Again, I realize it was a two-minute offense, but they very successfully in one minute marched down the field. I wonder if there's a lesson in there for the coaching staff, and we'll see uh, the plays called a little bit differently. One of the uh, big questions, and this is fascinating to me, Sean Clifford now has been the starter for several years. I'm not sure there's been a more polarizing figure at quarterback ever for Penn state than Sean Clifford. Right. And you know, I'm going to put it down to a very simple question. This one game, was he good or bad Andy? Cause based on what I hear from different people, I'm getting both extremes. He was tremendous or he was awful. Which was he?
2: So, This, uh, some of the extremes are based on preconceived notions, right? Like you're either, it seems like you're either in a little in the Sean Clifford camp or you're absolutely out of the Sean Clifford camp. There's not much middle ground with Sean and the Penn State fan base, but here's what I'll say. He had, he counted for five total touchdowns. He took you on a game winning drive inside the final two minutes on the road. He threw four touchdown passes. By the way, Penn State also had four drops by my count. Anyone who says his effort in that game was more bad than good, it's just wrong. They're just wrong. I mean, was that bad? Uh, Oh, my gosh, that pick six was just a horrendous throw. Did he look shaky after his bout with body cramps that sent him to the locker room at halftime? Yes, he did. Did his receivers help him with yards after the catch? Yes, they did. But was he overtly bad? No, absolutely not. Was he, like, outstanding? No. But did he help this team? Five total touchdowns accounted for, four touchdown passes, and took you on a game-winning drive? That has to be good, Jimmy. It has to be. Yeah, I
1: think the... When you determine how he played this game, the biggest statistic is, was it a W or an L? And... It was a W. They won the game, thanks in big part to his effort at the end of the game. I think you hit it, Andy, with the you know the pre- preconceived notion. I think a lot of people are waiting for him to fail, and when he made that terrible interception, and there's no other way to put it. Every the anti Sean Clifford people were, hey, there you go, all over again. So I, I I'm with you. But his his uh, story has yet to be written. There's a lot more to go this season. I wanted to get to a couple other items uh, with you also. Now, you had mentioned the middle linebackers. Uh, pro football focus, who grades all the players, did not did not uh, t- take too kindly to the performance of Elsden and King. You think it was just hey, this is the first game for both of them really playing extensively and they'll get better, or is this just a black hole there in the middle?
2: Yeah, I, I'd like to say the former, but I think it's the latter, Jimmy. I really think you're when it's a black hole, because the way I watch football and what I'm looking for, I'm looking for glints and elements of, okay, this is their first game. I'm looking for a a few things to work with. And I just, you just didn't see them and it it's four quarters and they both had decent amount of, you know, opportunities. And it just, it just wasn't there. I mean, when it's just not there, it's just not there. Right. And there was pro pro football focus didn't rate them very high. I didn't know that by the way, I'm just telling you what my four eyes show me. It's just, then the numbers bear out what my four eyes saw, which was, there's not much here to work with, and there's not much going on that I see that is um, that is helpful. And I think a little bit of what I saw from Curtis Jacobs earlier was related to them not really helping a little bit. He just sort of emerged on in his own from his spot. So, yeah, no, I 100% – I think it's the latter, Jimmy. I think it's a black hole a little bit.
1: And that that's unfortunate. I'm not sure where they turn. If it is that black hole, is Abdul Carter the answer? It was very unfortunate what happened in the first game. I don't think anyone looks at that play, though, and says, boy, that was really targeting. It should not have been called. I get the feeling we're going to see a lot of Abdul Carter in this game against Ohio. One other item that we got to talk about the offensive line at least a little bit. Yep. There's some good, some bad. They really um, didn't give up many sacks. Pass protection looked pretty good. Running game, again, the old argument, did they make holes? Were the running backs good enough to make someone miss when they did uh, create a hole or a crease? couple surprises, though. We thought going in, Tengua was going to be the left guard and maybe Warmly and Norzad fighting it out over right guard. It was more Warmly's the guy at right guard and Tengwall and Norzad split time. But probably the more interesting thing was Caden Wallace, the right tackle, Bryce After came in, James Franklin said, "Oh, it's just part of the rotation." What was interesting is at the end of the game when it all counted, Efner was in, Caden Wallace was out.
2: Yeah, that's going to be if you want to talk offensive line, let's this week the right tackle is, uh, in my opinion, they should play both guys on an equal basis. I don't know how they – however they do that, they need to decide. I think both guys need to audition themselves this week. I, does Caden Wallace deserve another another sort of shot chance to win the job on his, and be the number one guy in his own accord? I don't think he's earned that. I really don't. I mean, in the crunch time, he wasn't in there. So I think you have to open it up and make it an audition in-game for both guys, and I expect both of them to rotate equally. I think that's what you're going to see.
1: I would not be surprised to see that at all, Andy. All right, that is it for quarter number two. Quarter number three, it's going to be Ask Andy. We're going to take your questions. We're going to give them to Andy. Stay tuned for that. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you
3: love.
0: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in Central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and other craft beer retailers.
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, and it's time for Ask Andy. This is where we take your questions and we're going to get present them to Andrew P. Shea. And the best question at the end, when's the KSN polo shirt? If you want to submit a question, it's really easy. Download our app, Keystone Sports. Right now, it still says Ask Ross on there. Ross will be back in a few weeks, but maybe we'll just leave it Ask Ross. But we'll have somebody in here to answer your questions. Y'all ready to go, Andy?
2: Yeah, I'm ready, Jimmy. Let's do it. All right.
1: Let's start with David in Lancaster, who says, if the expanded 12-team playoff had been in place earlier, Penn State would have made the playoffs in 2016, 17, 18, and 19. How much do you think that would change the perception of Franklin as a coach?
2: So, ooh, that's interesting. I, I think it would change it only slightly, maybe In his favor, slightly if if he could say he was a college, a four-time college football playoff coach. But I mean, let's face it, this is a zero-sum game where winning is all that matters, and lately he hasn't done much of it it, per se with this program. So I mean, we I gave you the records in quarter number one. It's you know nine and ten in the Big Ten and eleven and you know twelve and eleven overall. That's relevant. That matters. That's what Penn State fans are, you know, a little, you know, they're a little uneasy about right now is this program's kind of right now in a in a spate of mediocrity and they don't accept or expect that. So I think it would help him a little bit big picture, but in terms of where him and the program are at right now based on the last two years and and what the anticipation is for this year and the expectations I don't think it helps them at all
1: it's it's interesting question because this yeah. is what a lot of teams are going to be facing going forward you know where the goals maybe is more attainable to make the playoffs you know you make take that next step. I think playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game has lost some of its luster. Maybe making the playoffs will have that. And um, it's well. Let me ask you this uh, next question, and I'm going to tie it back into the the question from David. This comes from Rich in Bakersfield, California, who says if Ohio State's head football coach Ryan Day went 11 and 11 the last two years. Would he still have his job?
2: (laughs) Yeah, no. He would not have his job. I don't, after two full seasons at Ohio State, which their expectation starts higher, so the fall is greater, right? You know, their expectation is they are one of the five best football programs in the country year in and year out. So a fall from that to being a New Year 6 top 15 team, the fall is greater. So I don't think if you're Ryan Day, you survive 11 and 11 of two years at Ohio State. I, I don't.
1: I don't think so either. But the way I'm going to tie this in is this, what Rich is doing is obviously saying, are Penn State standards lower than Ohio State's? And I think the answer to that question is yes, they are. Just like other than Alabama, who else has the standards as high as Ohio State? And remember, both those teams, year after year after year, Andy, they bring in the very best talent. Now, yep. this might be exaggerated a bit, but James Franklin coached at Vanderbilt. You can't judge Vanderbilt the same way you do Alabama. No. Winning nine games, which he did at Vanderbilt, going nine and three, is maybe a better coaching job than going 12 and 0 at Alabama. The fact is, if you recall, Nick Saban coached at Michigan State a while back and never won a national championship there. I'm not sure exactly what his coaching record was, but whatever it was, he couldn't get away with that at Alabama. There are different standards at different schools. Do we want Penn State to be on the same level of Ohio State? Sure, we do. Yep. But you're starting from a different place every year, and all you have to do is go take a look at the recruiting rankings, and don't just say, "Oh, well, then you got to recruit better," because you know, ninety-eight percent of the teams in college football have the same problem. Alabama and Ohio State are about the only ones who don't. Okay, Andy, let's go to the Riz in New York City who says, here's my question. Why is Franklin forcing us to once again watch Sean Clifford?
2: (laughs) Because he is forcing you to watch Sean Clifford because Sean Clifford is while polarizing to the fan base and sometimes maddening, even the, the Purdue game was, it was Sean Clifford in a nutshell. It was the good, the bad, the ugly. It was all part of it. And that's what you're going to get with Sean Clifford. But they're forcing you to watch him because he's the he is the best quarterback for this team and offense right now. And he showed that by making the horrible throw for the pick six, and then his response was that killer stone-cold two-minute drive where I don't think I've seen many execute it better in that situation with that kind of precision and comfort and confidence. Like So that's his response to making this monstrous, game-changing, huge mistake. His response was, Okay, he didn't come back and play okay. He came back and actually he took the game away from Penn State and he went out and he took it back for Penn State. And that is why you are being forced to watch him in 2022, the Riz. I'm sorry, but he is the best option at the position for Penn State right now.
1: If he gives them the best chance to win, that's that's the guy who has to play. Let's go to Kevin in Milwaukee who says, what are the top three Penn State games you're looking forward to most this season and your reason why? For me, it goes like this. Number one, at Michigan, and Kevin says his brother and he are going to the game. Remember, Kevin's from Milwaukee, so it's fairly close for him. At Auburn, because it's a rare non-conference trip to Southeast con- Conference country. And three, Purdue, because it's the first game. All right, Andy, what are the three games you're looking forward to the most? And you could you could put Purdue game in there if you want also, like Kevin did.
2: Yeah, so I think the Ohio State game at home for me because – I know I saw Ohio State last week, and I know what I saw, but I know how Penn State plays this team, and I just have a funny feeling that they might, that they have a real shot in this game, in that matchup. I just think there are some matchup things that I that I really, really like in this game in terms of Penn State versus Ohio State. My next one was at Purdue. Absolutely at Purdue was a huge, it was a monster Monster game. And we talked about that in the preseason. And I agree with Kevin that I think the Auburn game is huge because I think you stack the Purdue win, which was a really, really good game for Penn State to win. You stack a win at Auburn on top of that, and you have set the table. You have set the table for a season going forward. Come out of there fairly healthy. You've got a lot of your pieces still intact. You have ridiculous depth. You win at Purdue and at Auburn and you have set the table for yourself. That's why I think that two of the first, you know, two of the games the at Auburn and at Purdue are so important because it's when you're struggling in mediocrity, which Penn state is a, you know, basically running right now is sort of a middle of the road, 500 football team recently. When you're there, you need to set the table before you can grab a chair and sit at the table. So, they need to set the table, and then they can go sit at the table. Last year, they set the table. Sean Clifford got hurt. They were they were all set to grab a seat at the table before Sean Clifford got hurt, and then they fell off a cliff. This sets the table. Then they can grab a seat and, and, and start you know, looking at bigger and better things going forward. Andy,
1: for me, and I often talk about this on the show when we go into the season talking about our predictions – I'll pick the games that I believe are wins, the games that I believe are losses, and then the game, the season hinges on a handful of games. And I picked three games that I thought the season hinged on. And this is why I I wouldn't necessarily have Michigan or Ohio State there, because I have those both as losses. I think just Ohio State is overwhelmingly talented, even having them at home. I'm not saying it's impossible to win, but... I would call I would think Ohio State's going to win that game at Michigan. Penn State always seems to struggle. Yep. But the games that are toss-up games that I think could be the difference between a 10 and 2 season and a 7 and 5 season are Purdue, Auburn and Michigan State. Oh, and, Michigan
2: State good call Jimmy.
1: Yeah. So I think if they win those three games, they have a real chance at 10 wins on the season. So I'm not, hey, I'm still looking forward to Ohio State at home, you know, hope like anything that they could make it competitive and maybe sneak out with a win. We've seen that happen before, but so maybe it's just the way I define it, that the three toss up games. So anyway, good, good question, Kevin. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's see Joe and Scranton who says, what is your opinion of the offensive lines performance in the Purdue game? I thought the pass blocking was good, but there was still no push in the run game. They don't seem to move anyone off the ball. Would that be coaching or just a lack of talent?
2: So I think it's a combination of a little bit of lack of talent and I'm not sure about their coaching. We talked about the run game, and I, I think the O-line is key and why they don't line up in the eye and give these backs more because that means you got to pull and get guys out. I don't think they're ready for that yet. I really don't, Jimmy. This week might be a time to explore it, but I really don't feel like the offensive line is anywhere near, quote-unquote, ready for that against a quality opponent like Purdue. Maybe they are a little more this week, but I would grade their game as fair.
1: All right, very good, Andrew. In quarter number four, when we get back, we're going to announce our winner, and we're going to look forward to the Ohio game. Stay tuned for that. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones, lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others, local perspective, local expertise, local information from penn state's hometown website statecollege.com trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school team and place
3: you love what defines the special spirit of penn state
0: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in Central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at W.R. Hickey and
1: other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. I'm Jim Galanti, along with Andrew P. Say. In just a second, Andy, we are going to be looking forward to the home opener against Ohio, the Ohio Ohio Bobcats. But before we do, we need a winner from our Ask Andy segment. Andy, who do you
2: got? Uh, let's go with Kevin. I thought the question about the top three, he gave his, it engaged, and we were engaged in it. It was a good question. So, Kevin, you are the winner.
1: Very good. All right, Kevin. Good question. Fun question. Let's move on. Andy, first of all, Penn State a 24-and-a-half-point favorite. If this game is competitive in any way, it, it, it's a disappointment. I don't even want to fathom what it would be like if Penn State lost this game. But let's if we're not going to look forward to this game winning, losing, that's not going to be the, uh, a factor here. What is it that you are looking for in this game against Ohio?
2: So I'm going to start with I'm looking at the offensive line to take a step forward. Particularly, I mean, it's almost like beating a dead horse in the run game. Ken, is this offensive line at a point where they can put the quarterback under center and maybe run a little bit more of an I formation? I know why they didn't do it against Purdue because the offensive line is still limited. Right? They're still limited in what they are able to do, and the other team's defense knows it. Right, Ohio's going to pack the box just like Purdue did. It's right there on film from last week for them to study and look at, and this is what they're going to do, because I think Penn State is going to want to be committed to running the ball. So add some more varieties to the run plays. Their run plays were very, very limited in terms of where they ran the ball and what they actually did expand it a little bit and see if this line can take another a step forward. That is top of the list of what I'm looking for. You're looking for 35 plus points from your number one offense. I think you're looking for a couple turnovers. So James Franklin can stop being asked questions about the secondary and Joey Porter jr. Um, But I think, you know, they were close last week in terms of getting some takeaways from the secondary, is is are they any less good because of it? No, but could they use a couple? Yeah, I think that. I think the last thing I want to say is you're looking for the first signals. Signals. You're not looking for one of these running backs, <coughs> excuse me, to quote unquote emerge and step forward. You're looking for some signals that somebody's sort of emerging out of this pack. And I think you could use a little bit of pressure from your DNs. I think a little bit of pressure from your DNs would be nice. I know the opportunity was limited last week against Purdue and how fast they get the ball out and get it out of his hand. I still think they did a good job of pocket impact, but you're looking for some direct pressure and maybe a couple more sacks this week from your outside guys.
1: And again, Andy, you give me too many answers. You fill up my agenda. Anyway, let me, let me just uh, drill down a little bit on some of the topics with the running game. I find it interesting that you say, well, this is all they were capable of doing. You didn't want to challenge the offensive line with more in the Purdue game. I would take the opposite, Tack, that you have a Purdue team that seemed to know what was coming. And I'll even disagree. I believe James Franklin even talked about this, and I've heard others talk about this. The offensive line did reasonably well but the running backs were incapable of making someone miss. The problem I have with that theory is if the defense knows what's coming and they're plugging the gaps, they're tackling the running back before they really have any momentum going, could we please see something a little bit different with the running game? Joel Clapp mentioned it. Could the running back start deeper, get ahead of steam running the ball? Could they run outside a little bit? Give the defense a little more to look at and not be so obvious that these are the running plays you're going to see no matter what. And I'd also like to see them early in this game against Purdue. I felt like they were forcing the running game, no matter what. First first and second down, we're going to run the ball. It's second and eight, and we're still going to run the ball. Yep. How about... How about throwing the ball to set up the run? If if it looks like you're a better passing team, do that first, what you know you can do well, and hopefully that will set up the running game for you. I'd like to see that mix a little bit more. Continuing from this side, you know, on the offensive side of the ball and the offensive line, can Efner possibly take the job from Caden Wallace, Andy?
2: Yeah, uh, he might be able to. That's why... As I said earlier, I think I think you give these guys both an equal audition. It's the right opponent to do it, it's the right time to do it. You need to find who's gonna answer the bell as your right tackle. I mean, you went with Caden Wallace and you went with him for a long time, but when, you know, sort of the, the rubber met the road in in the crunch time, you're like, Okay, we can't have this guy on the field right now. So I don't think you say, Okay, now Bryce Efner's the starter. Because you weren't sure if he was a starter or not. I don't think you can say, okay, now Bryce is a starter. Caden, you're the backup. I think you you give them both an audition. You see how they do in-game. You keep that rotation. Your right tackle is not going to win or lose this game against Ohio, um, per se. So you let them both play, and then that gives you a whole game of film. Equality. You go back and evaluate it. You look at his coaches, and you go, which guy do we think helps us going forward?
1: Okay, Andy. Now, it's, it, I find interesting, James Franklin's been talking about depth, getting more players in the game. The reason why I find it so interesting is for years and years and years, he would play a starting quarterback, start to finish of a blowout game, and he wouldn't get his backup in. So finally, it f- seems like he's seen the light. We need to play these backups. My take is if you want to see Drew Aller get some meaningful experience, don't bring them in in the fourth quarter for the last couple drives. How about bringing him in in the second quarter? How about giving them a couple series early in the game?
2: No, I, I completely disagree. I, I do not think he should play early. I don't think they should rotate the quarterback because you're not planning to rotate the quarterback position. Keep Sean Clifford. He's your starter. He's your guy. Let him go out and earn the momentum. Now, I will say this, Jimmy. Do I think he should play in the third quarter? Do I think he should play early in the third quarter? I think he should no matter what the score is. I really do. I'm like, okay, give Sean Clifford a half, let him see what this offense can do, and then say, okay, in the, starting in the third quarter, we're going to see what our next guy looks like. And, you know, in the past we've known James, he's not he has not shown the Penn State fans that even in garbage time, quote-unquote, will he put a quarterback in per se – other than to kind of kneel on the ball, but when he said this about Drew Aller, he said, "I thought Drew did some nice things when he was in. Hopefully, we'll get him some time next week." That means that's James Franklin to tell. That means yes, Drew Aller is going to play. I might be totally wrong, and you could be right in saying he might come in in the second quarter. But I would, I would prefer and make an argument if I was sitting in the OC seat that I want my guy to get through a half, and then let's go to rotational, no matter what the score is. Let's go to a rotational or give Drew a few series early in the third quarter and get him some meaningful minutes.
1: I, I think the key word there is meaningful minutes. Yes. And whether it's in the second quarter or the third quarter, it doesn't mean I'm rotating quarterbacks. It just means I trust this guy enough to put him in when it's still meaningful against a team like Ohio so that when the time comes, like it already did in the Purdue game, Sean Clifford gets nicked up. I'm okay sending in. Uh, the next guy. You have a valid um,
2: point, Jimmy. You have a 100% valid point.
1: And, you know, Andy, real quick on the defense, because I want to get to, I do want to get to a prediction and a bold prediction <laughs> from you. <laughs> from the defense, I would like to see some pressure from the defensive ends. Yes. I thought Chop Robinson so, showed something late in the game. I'd like to see that. Actually, I realize Aiden O'Connell was a guy who could get the ball out quickly, and he did. And, Pro yes. football focus. Whatever the timing was, he was getting the ball out quickly. Let's see the defensive ends get some pressure on the quarterback. Now, let's get let's get your prediction for this game. Even though it's a, uh, let's see, what did I have? Twenty. Actually, the spread has gone up. It, it went from twenty four and a half. What I'm looking at now, Andy says twenty five and a half, All right. and the over under is at fifty
2: four. So what do you have as your prediction and what's your bold prediction? So Ohio is still putting pieces into place. I, I want to see these running backs. That's what I really want to see this week. I want to see these running backs. Was the offensive line terrible? No, James was right. Were they, were they good? <sighs> were they maybe just a wee bit better with their expectations starting out the seller? Yes, but I want to see more out of these running backs. So that's going to put the offensive line and the running backs in my spotlight for this week. Um, You know, Ohio has, they've got nine guys returning on defense, but their defense is just, it's just still not good. They gave gave up a ton of yards and points to Florida Atlantic in their opening win last week. Um, Penn state was committed to the run against Purdue. You might be in for another version of that early on, Jimmy. I'm sorry. Second Nate, you might get your run. But I know James Franklin, he was not a fan of losing the explosive plays battle to Purdue. So keep that in mind when you're watching this game. He does not like losing the explosive plays numbers battle. So you're looking for major jumps. I expect some of them from week one to week two. That's generally the consensus of what you say teams are doing. Look for those. Guys, to make some jumps this week, my prediction is Penn State 41, Ohio 17. That's kind of right around the number. And my bold prediction is it happens. The streak ends. I'm taking the layup, Jimmy. And I'm saying Penn State gets a 100-yard rushing effort from a running back. Bold would be me saying which running back it's going to be. I don't have the guts to do that. I'm just being honest. Call me weak. and Call me having a weak conviction, but I'm calling my bold prediction as the running back. Streak ends. I think it's 17 games they've been without one.
1: It it has been a long time. I'm not going to go with that because I think they're going to keep rotating the players in even if they run well. Here, my bold predictions are maybe it's just I'm going to boldly predict the things that I want to see. I want to see more passing on first down to set up the run. My other uh, bold prediction – I forgot what my other bold prediction was. Oh, here we go. How about we see Drew Aller in the first half, Andy? There you go. Again, James Franklin, put your money where your mouth is. You're saying you want to develop it. You want to see what the backups can do. You trust them. Let's see Drew Aller when it still counts. As far as the point spread... I think it's meaningless. It's not a game I will bet when it, there's that big a spread. Okay, Andy, that's it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Statecollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective. Local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place
3: you love. What defines the special spirit of Penn State? Why Penn State, by author Greg Woodman, looks to Happy Valley in the 1980s for answers featuring rare photos original essays and exclusive interviews with coach paterno this beautiful 256 page full color hardback edition explores the why behind we are it's chicken soup for the nittany lion soul and makes the perfect gift for any penn stater in your life including you order today at whypennstate.com.